Good morning, everybody. Time for Mile High Magazine, and I am Murphy Houston. Hope you're having a great start to your day. We had a little daylight savings time change, and that's kind of be part of our topic today as we visit with Dr. Amit Arwindeka, the medical director with United Healthcare Global. Dr. Amit, doctor said I could call him Dr. Amit. Welcome to Mile High Magazine, sir. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, as I just started our conversation, we did do a little time change yesterday, or Saturdays into Sundays, and that kind of, does it mess up your sleep? They all say, oh, it messes up my sleep. Does it really? How much sleep do I need? You know, um, what I find is most people will say that daylight savings time really does affect their sleep, and more importantly, it affects the next day. Usually, if you're a little bit older, it affects several days. And what we've found is that Everyone from 18 to 60 typically requires at least seven hours of sleep. Oh, wow. You need seven hours of good sleep. There are some people who do better with, you know, just six. There's some people who definitely need eight or nine. But seven seems to be that magic number where most people seem to get by if they can get seven hours of good sleep. Yeah, that's hard to do for most people, and I'm one of them. It's, I think, hard for everyone. Our lives have gotten so busy, and... It, sleep tends to be that first place where if you're getting busy, you've got things to do. That's the first thing we take time away from saying, you know what, I'll make do with a little bit less, and I'll make do with a little bit less. And we keep doing that over and over again. Eventually, it really does catch up with you. Well, for years, and I was kind of talking to Dr. Mitt earlier, for years I did the morning show on this station, and I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning to get to work. And then I've kind of changed my schedule over the years, but I still adjust. Maybe I could always sleep all the way to 3.30 now, Doc. So <laughs> I can't change it. And I think a lot of people find that once you get into a certain sleep pattern or sleep habit, that your body adjusts to it. And um, naturally, our bodies are geared to you know sleep at night when it's dark outside, be awake when the sun is out. Uh, there's a lot of science that says the sun and that sunlight hitting your eyes really is what helps your body keep track of its own rhythm. Right. But. Like you and I, you know, when we have to work odd hours, our bodies over time will shift to a new schedule, and it can be really hard to break that schedule. I think everyone who ever goes on vacation will find that, you know, you're used to waking up at a certain time in the morning, you realize you don't have those morning commitments anymore, you go on vacation, and you can't sleep in. Yeah, true. Says, okay, it's time to go, and that's just the way you are. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Good point there. But now with this daylight savings time change, everybody moans about, oh, I don't know, even though in the in springtime it's spring ahead, you lose an hour, at fall, you pick it up. What should people consider doing to minimize any disruptions in their sleep associated with this move to daylight savings time? What can you do to help that situation? So there's definitely a few things you can do to make this transition a little bit easier for you. A few things people always say is, you know, they feel more groggy the first couple of days after daylight savings time. A lot of times your decision-making is not as good after daylight savings time. We see a lot of people get into more car accidents uh, on those first couple of days afterwards. And we see a lot more uh, relationship fights. People are sort of more edgy and irritable. So a few things you can do, um, and some of this advice might be a day too late, but start making that transition a few days beforehand. You know, oh. everything switches over Sunday morning. Right. But you might want to start going to bed 15 minutes earlier on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, so you can catch up on that hour uh, more smoothly than just doing a big switch at once. Uh, make sure you adjust your clock ahead of time. And this is a big thing I always have problems with. I wake up on daylight savings time morning and all my clocks are at the wrong time. <laughs> Try setting that clock correctly uh, you know, the night before. 
Um, use the light and darkness to help your body adjust. So when you're going to bed, make sure that you don't have a lot of really bright white lights. Make sure your shades are pulled down. You're creating a nice, comfortable, dark environment to help you get really good sleep before you go into that. Wow. And then now, you know, daylight savings time has already happened. Where you know it's Monday, it's Tuesday, it's Wednesday. Don't put a big meeting where you're going to have to either have conflict or make big decisions on Monday or Tuesday. Push that off a couple of days so until you know your body's adjusted. You don't want to go pick a fight with your spouse on the Monday after daylight saving time because <laughs> neither of you are going to be thinking clearly. Really? Um, and, then, and then the best you can, you know, try to going into that week and going into the week after daylight saving time, do what you can to defend your sleep time. So don't, you know, put things in there. Set that time aside for your body to really recover and adjust that you can make the best for your body and for your mind. So really, from what you're telling us here, doctor, it is a big deal. Because I always kind of blew it off. Ah, come on, people imagine it's going to be different, it's going to be tougher. But it really is. You know, I'm right there with you. When I was in my 20s, making that transition to daylight savings time was easier than flipping a switch. Yep. And I am not a 20-year-old anymore. (laughs) And I can tell you, every year it gets a little harder. I can feel a little bit more. And I'm going to be honest with you, you know, I'm somebody who has young children. And young children, anyone who has them realizes those children do not acknowledge daylight savings time. They don't Uh care what you think your clock says. They have their schedule. And so they're going to wake up when they want to wake up. And we need to be prepared for that and be on our best to handle that. And, you know, I've got young kids in my house. I have to take into account that their schedule and their biorhythms are going to affect what happens to me. You're right. Well, that's tough to consider, though. So do you really, I mean, when you spring ahead, they say, oh, you lose an hour. Do you really lose an hour in your mind, in your sleep? Does it feel that way? Um, it, it depends on how you address it. I, I, we all know we get that hour back in the fall. Right. But if, you know, you're going to wake up at the same time every morning, you're going to lose that hour of sleep unless you plan ahead. So unless you're going to go to sleep an hour earlier uh, on Saturday night, you're probably going to lose that hour Sunday morning. Um, and you're going to have to make it up at some point. So if you can plan out when you make it up, that will give you your best chance to have the least impact. Well, there you go. Now you guys have all the story there from Dr. Amit Arundeka, who's the medical director of United Healthcare Global. Let's talk about other kinds of sleep issues or disorders. Again, before you and I started recording here, we were talking about that, and I'm still trying to recover from those kind of morning show things. But what other sleep issues or disorders are out there? So, you know, there's a lot of sleep disturbances that people uh, can develop, and a lot of these will come and go over time. So insomnia is probably the most common one, insomnia being the inability to go to sleep or stay asleep. And there's lots of reasons why people have insomnia. It can be related to medications. It can be related to how much caffeine you're taking. It can be related to um, how the environment in which you're sleeping. Uh, and life stressors can also cause insomnia. Uh, another big one that a lot of people will struggle with is restless leg syndrome. And restless leg syndrome is this uh, disorder which is very common where people feel very antsy in their legs at night. They'll feel like right. a creeping feeling or an aching feeling, and it's only when you lay down to sleep, and it can really disrupt how they sleep. Um, a, somewhat of a more serious sleep disorder that we've seen, narcolepsy, which is characterized by people having excessive sleepiness during the day, and sometimes you know they can just literally fall asleep at the, while doing something that they're not intending to do. Um, those are some of the 
the more common ones. A really, really big one, which I think uh, a lot of people suffer from, is obstructive sleep apnea, OSA. Um, it's where when you're sleeping, you stop breathing, and it's characterized usually by a lot of really loud snoring. Usually your spouse is the person that's going to complain about this long before you do. But because you're, you stop breathing at night, your body will automatically try to wake itself up, and you get very poor sleep and can often be really tired during the day. Um, so I think that's an important one for people to be aware of. If you or your partner is saying, hey, you're not getting good sleep or you're snoring so much, or you know, the big one that I always tell my patients is if your spouse suddenly said they're going to go sleep in the other room because they can't deal with your snoring, that's a good time to go see your doctor to see if there's something they can do about that. Yeah. Um, that's a bit of a challenge. In fact, I've been experiencing that because I did find out that sleep apnea can also affect other health conditions, which we'll talk about here. But the steps I've taken recently, because my wife says, you don't snore. Well, she's such a deep sleeper, she never hears it. So I did the testing process, and lo and behold, I am snoring at night. So now I'm going through the remedy for that, which is kind of a mouth guard type effect. So it's really important, but it's tough to kind of recover from sleep apnea with some of those remedies like a mask or something in your mouth. That's hard. It is. You know, um, the treatments for these things can feel a little uncomfortable in the first couple of days to weeks. But what we find is that the people who stick with those treatments really are much, much happier. They sleep better. They wake up more rested and ready to tackle their day. And like you mentioned, there's a number of really significant side effects that occur uh, from not getting enough sleep. There's real health effects from having poor quality sleep, especially long term. Yeah. then like I discovered, I've been having this little heart problem called a PVC, which is a fluttering of the heart. And I had no clue that sleep apnea could affect your heart in that way. Can you maybe talk more about that? How does that affect your heart? So this is a great question. Um, this often goes under-recognized by most people, but the quality of your sleep and what happens in your sleep really affects your your physical health beyond just feeling tired. Someone who has sleep apnea, if it's not being appropriately managed, what tends to happen is that your lungs end up working harder because uh, as you're snoring, something is blocking your lungs' ability to push air out and take air in. So your lungs are literally working harder to try to move air in and out so that you can breathe. Right. Your lungs basically surround your heart. So as they start working harder, it can start to irritate your heart and give you things like you were discussing with PVCs or abnormal heart rhythms. We'll see people go into other abnormal heart rhythms like atrial fibrillation and other conditions like that. At the same time, if your lungs are not able to compensate for how much you're snoring or how much you're getting blocked, your oxygen levels can drop. And when that happens, it can affect your brain, it can affect your other vital organs, and it can actually change and damage the way your lungs operate, well, which can lead to long-term problems. So I, I have a lot of friends who have sleep apnea. I've got uh, family members, and they all tell me, you know, sometimes it's hard to put on that mask, but it has such significant health effects that are beneficial. I really encourage you guys to stick with it. Well, and I'm doing the same thing with the mouth guard because I discovered in my sleep apnea, apparently my tongue relaxes and shuts off my air pipe. Well, that's a little scary when you hear about it, huh? It is. I mean, it's actually very scary, and that's a very common um, issue for a lot of people with sleep apnea. Wow. Well, if you're having those problems, get checked, and there's a bunch of good docs around Denver that I could recommend. 
So, I mean, what can you do if you are having trouble sleeping beyond the sleep apnea issues? I know there's pills you can get, but how effective are they really? And there's, is there after effects? How does that all happen? So, I think the first step for anyone who's having difficulty with sleep is really, it's called good sleep hygiene. And good sleep hygiene means creating an environment where you give yourself the best chance to sleep comfortably and sleep well. A few things that this involves, avoid caffeine late in the afternoon or the evening. Uh, Caffeine will help you stay awake. It lasts much longer than you realize. So limiting your caffeine intake in the afternoon and the evening is a huge first step. The second one, screen time. A lot of the screens that we're using, iPads, uh, tablets, cell phones, they emit light, which your brain can oftentimes confuse for sunlight, and it can make it really difficult to get your mind into a, a place where you're ready to sleep. So avoiding screen time is a huge second step. Um, in your bedroom, it's a good idea to have softer lighting. Don't have bright white lights. Yellower lights, um, softer tones will help you create an environment that's safer and better for sleeping. Um, the one, one of my personal favorites is don't use your bed for anything other than sleeping and sex. Don't make it a place where you're eating food. Don't make it a place where you're, you're oh. just lounging. Make it a place where it is really, that's where you go to sleep, and it'll help train your mind to the idea that this is a sleeping place. And um, I would imagine and, watching TV falls into there too, right? Watching TV definitely falls into that category. That is not something you really want to do in bed if you are prone to having difficulty sleeping. Um I think everyone has a different temperature where they sleep best. Most people like to sleep uh, in a cooler temperature. So making sure you've made your bedroom cooler when it's time to go to sleep and making sure that you've got a dark environment. So if curtains are necessary, blackout curtains, those things are all really helpful. And the last thing I'll say is make sure you set up sort of like a regular sleep routine. These are the things that you're doing as you're getting ready for bed and you don't disrupt that. Okay. Wow. That's That's a good one. That's a good one. The routine, getting ready for bed. Um, Yeah. I like it. Uh, the sleep hygiene is great. But, uh, I think if you get to the point where you need medication, supplements, things like that to help you get to sleep or stay to uh, sleep, that's a really good time to go talk to your doctor about what's going on with your sleep. They can help you make decisions on what are the best supplements or medications to help you get sleep if that's what is necessary. They can also help you look for other causes of your poor sleep, including sleep apnea or restless leg yeah. or any of those things. For sure. Well, Dr. Amit Arwindeka, Medical Director with United Healthcare Global from Chicago. Good talking with you, Doc, and happy sleeping. Thank you. Uh, good luck to everyone as you go through this change, and we look forward to seeing you all happy and healthy. Well, I agree with that. And thank you guys for listening to Mile High Magazine. We will take a quick break, and we will be back with more. Thank you for being there.